Welcome to Now on Netflix. I'm Jessica Shaw. You may recognize me from SiriusXM, and I'm joined by Todoom.com executive editor Henry Goldblatt. And before you even start to think, oh my God, what am I going to watch this weekend? We got your back. We're going to tell you the shows and the movies you cannot miss. Hey, Henry. Hey, Jessica. It's so good to be here. And your background looks very different today. Where are you coming to us from? Um, I'm coming to you from New York City's uh, educational system because we are going to impart so much information on this podcast that I couldn't imagine a better place to be. There is a periodic table in back of you, I believe. Are we going into science lessons today? I'm just curious. I need to be prepared. Yes, we absolutely are. Listen, Henry, what better segue from talking about periodic tables and science to talking about this week's episode of Great British Baking Show, which you were the person who turned me on to this show. You know, certainly been a pop culture touchstone for so many years and so many seasons. And this season in particular, I watched because you said, you need to watch this. Henry, for the two people on this planet who have not seen Great British Baking Show, tell us what this show is. This show is my heart, Jessica. Twelve amateur bakers from all across Britain, they all come together, they compete in this tent, and over the course of 10 weeks, one is eliminated every week as they try to bake these beautiful, beautiful creations. Some of them succeed with great, great flair. Others of them, their cakes collapse, their cookies are burnt. It's a tough time for them. What I'm particularly excited about is there's a new host this year, Alison Hammond, who is the first non-comedian to hold the position. She competed on Big Brother UK, and she just like brings such wonderful giddiness and freshness to the proceedings, and I'm super happy that she's there. Oh, I agree. I think she is absolutely wonderful. What I love about the hosts and the judges, frankly, is there's a sense of like, we want your cake to be good. Sometimes it's just not. But but we're not out there. We're not out to get you with this. Like, yes, you don't know how to roll a cake. Like, yes, all your layers fell. But but in episode one, Prue would say something like the lines are there. And I was like, yes, Prue. Jessica, there was a moment in the first episode that I can't stop thinking about or laughing about or talking about. And that made me so incredibly happy. So, Nikki, tell us about your beaver. All right, I'll try again. <laughs> so, Nikki, tell us about your showstopper. I love Prue so much, Henry. I love that she was so embarrassed and immediately asked to redo the take. And I love that they left the take in. It's so brilliant. I already have a pick for my favorite. I'm kind of obsessed with the forager. I love anyone who's like, I forage for poppy seeds because that's about as insane as tell me about your beaver. So I'm all in on her. Uh, I'm curious who your favorite is. So the forager intrigued me, but more so because I'm afraid she's going to poison one of them because she's like going to pick the wrong berry out of the woods and Paul Hollywood is just going to drop dead. So I hope that doesn't happen in episode four, but we can't rule it out. God, Jessica, I'm so shallow, Jessica. I always go for the most handsome or hottest contestant. And this year it's a guy named Dan who's married with two kids and seems to be a very talented enough baker. Last year it was this eccentric baker named Sandro who is out and has earrings and is buff as heck and still posts shirtless thirst traps on Instagram. So I'm really there for the sex appeal, Jessica. I got to be perfectly honest. I mean, respect. Although I have to say, like, I things got steamy for me when I was looking at some of those vertical layer cakes, which I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I didn't know there could be layers that went top to bottom. Like, my mind was was frankly a little bit blown. 
They were geometric anomalies, Jessica. Like, I don't know how gravity works that way and how jelly works that way. I was completely confused, but I was mesmerized. Um, yes. Yeah, see, so you asked Henry for how it was going to tie into being in a classroom. You just referenced geometry. So thank you. You have made my location somehow make sense. Great British Baking Show. It drops every Friday um, over the next few weeks. So it's unlike most Netflix shows that drop all at once, but you can catch it as it comes out each Friday. And I highly recommend it. It's it's my Friday comfort food. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Going to the other end of the spectrum is another reality show that you and I both saw that I feel like we need to talk about because it is as far from Great British as I can possibly imagine. And it's called, yes, this is what it's called, Stranded with My Mother-in-Law. Part one is going to premiere on October 9th. And it's it's this reality show out of Brazil. So, you know, just get your Portuguese on and just lean into the subtitles. And it's essentially Survivor slash Big Brother. All of these couples go to a beautiful island. By the way, the beaches are insanely beautiful there. And they do a challenge. And then at the end of the challenge, the host says, um, okay, and now we're going to say goodbye to people. And the couples think that the mother-in-law is going to like be shipped back to shore and sure enough it is one of the members of the couple and these mothers-in-law are no joke they are monsters jessica i wrote down some of their direct quotes because i want to share them with you and our listeners because they are insane there's a woman named rogeria who wants quote a more modest homely daughter-in-law and she also at one point admits that she's quote unquote older than adam which i appreciated i love a good adam and eve joke there's Tanina, who is sick of her son-in-law and daughter living with her and, quote, they don't even know how to cook rice. And lastly, Severina, she hasn't even met her son-in-law yet, but she hates him. Oh, yes. And by the way, uh, that is a big deal. And she is not happy when the two of them finally do sit down. She is really just not happy at all with him that he did not prioritize meeting her. And like, kind of, I don't blame her on that one. That's true. She also says many times throughout the episode, I don't care if he's Bill Gates or not. I don't want to meet him. I don't care about him. He's not good enough for my daughter. I love that Bill Gates was her touchstone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. The, the son-in-law, like everyone wanted to have? I don't know. So basically, the mothers-in-law and one of the spouses, one half of the couples, they are staying and kind of getting to know each other and competing in these survivor-esque challenges. And the other half of the couple, which, and I found this utterly fascinating the other half of the couple they basically open up like that that um it's a bunker like they used to have in lost that's what i was gonna say yes. they go down into this windowless bunker and they're forced to be there with a bunch of monitors watching their mothers with their partners and it was exactly that it reminded me of lost like they open up the sewer cap and then people climb down these stairs and they're there it's insane and ridiculous and not something you'd find on a u.s reality show oh no Absolutely not. It feels like someone's lawyers would definitely get involved. I couldn't get over that the top of the bunker looked like a sewage drainage cap. That was insane to me. The other thing that's insane to me, and I don't know if this would fly in U.S. reality shows, is these contestants were completely lied to and bamboozled. Like, I can't think of another show in which that's happened. And it's a pretty big twist. Like, Jessica, imagine your mom or mother-in-law coming on a ship to come see you on a reality show. And not only that, in the first challenge, you and your husband have to row out and save her. 
And just spoiler alert, not all the couples save the mother-in-law. Literally one couple leaves their mother-in-law standing on a dock in the middle of a beautiful Brazilian beach. It's so awkward. And yes, the glee with which the host describes how she is lying to everyone is so funny to me. And I just, I'm always fascinated by how different reality shows play in different countries. And I'm so intrigued by this one and if it's going to catch on with American audiences. We should mention the host is Fernanda Souza, who has basically been on Brazilian TV since she was seven or eight years old. Like she is a fixture there and well-recognized. And I loved her glee and her sadism, I'm going to say. Like she was really, really into this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also feel like she definitely studied Jeff Probst in how to, you know, kind of describe and call challenges. And even though this is not Survivor, it's a lot more kind of like trashy in a delicious way. But I just I loved it. I loved her. She is all in on this show. She absolutely is. The couples are very diverse racially. There is a gay couple as well. So there's a little something for everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it does make you think when you're watching, would I compete on a reality show with my mother-in-law? And I'm just I'm just excited for the conversations. I think this show will will do that. I agree wholeheartedly. I'm excited to see how this unfolds. Henry, there are some other scripted things that I very much want to talk about. A couple of big trailers that came out this week that I am so incredibly excited for. I want to start with Leave the World Behind, which is out on December 8th. And just I am so excited for this reteaming of Sam Esmail and Julia Roberts. When they teamed up for Homecoming several years ago now, I think Julia Roberts' best work that she's ever done in her career. So I am so excited for this. I'm so sorry to bother you. You must be Amanda. Why did you come here? In my line of work, you have to understand the patterns that govern the world. They can help you see the future. And I knew something was coming. I don't understand. What do you mean? We are seeing ongoing cyber attacks across the country. The truth is much scarier. What is the truth? I mean, I will say watching the trailer gave me a full-blown panic attack, but there is a cyber attack and there is just, there are things exploding. So what, tell us about the plot. Sure. So Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke play this married couple who go out to Long Island on a vacation with their kids. And all of a sudden, a man played by Mahershala Ali and his daughter come to the door claiming that they own the house and say, there's an apocalypse coming. There's bad things coming. We need to stay with you and we need to help out and we all need to survive. And then a bunch of random stuff unfolds, which I will not get into, but it's very, very interesting and intriguing. Um, If you're the type who wants to read a book before the movie comes out, the book came out in 2020 of the same title and it was a National Book Award finalist. So I'm guessing because you did not mention Kevin Bacon in your synopsis that he is one of those weird things that happened. And um, I don't know, can you can you say, is he like River Wild Kevin Bacon or is he Footloose Kevin Bacon? I think it's safe to say he is not Footloose Kevin Bacon. Okay, so no dance numbers. There are no dance numbers in this movie. That is also safe to say. Okay. All right. And also, not for nothing, but two of the producers on this film, you may have heard of them before, Barack and Michelle Obama. 
Yes, that's part of their deal that they have with Netflix. Their participation obviously lends um, heft to this project as well. So, like, it's a star-studded lineup here, and I can't wait to see the rest of it. Another series that I am so excited to see is All the Light We Cannot See, which is out on November 2nd. The book is one of my absolute favorite books, um, and Sean Levy adapted it and it's it's a four-part series and it takes place in the final days of world war ii and it it follows this young blind girl who is taken to france to the south of france with her father played by mark ruffalo and i just i love the book and i loved this adaptation i have something to say in this time of darkness Invading cities. I try to remember. Light lasts forever. Darkness lasts. Darkness lasts not even even for one second. When you turn on the light, I know that broadcasting could get me executed. But I will not be silenced. I hope you will tune in again tomorrow. Henry, the actress who plays Marie Lore, who is the central character, is played by this absolute newcomer named Aria Mia Loberti. And she is such a revelation. I can't even remember the last time I saw someone's acting debut that was as glorious as this is. She sure is. And she was actually found after a worldwide search for both blind and low vision actresses. And in fact, I want to read a quote from Sean Levy. He said, Aria, every single day, was able to teach me about the experience of living without sight. And he describes her as a magnificent discovery, and I couldn't agree more. She never acted before either, which is mind-blowing when you see the emotions that she has to access in this role and that she does and that she brings so much to this. I mean, I mentioned Mark Ruffalo, Hugh Laurie is also amazing. People who have read the book will be very excited to see that character. And just visually, I loved, I loved the sets. I loved where it was shot in France. It just, I don't know, it like checked every box for me. I also think we're in very good hands with Sean Levy. He put out a statement saying that he's a huge, huge fan of this book and that he wants to do justice to the, what he calls a gorgeous novel. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to see all four episodes. I've only seen a little bit of it so far. From things that are coming up to something that is coming out this week, tomorrow, to be exact, Fair Play, a new movie starring Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Denever. We're going to talk to Ann Cohen in a second. But Henry, I love talking to you about pop culture, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for having me, Jessica. There's a movie coming out tomorrow called Fair Play that I have not stopped thinking about since I saw it. And I'm so happy to talk all about this with Ann Cohen, film editor at Tadoom.com. Hey, Ann. Hi. Tell me about this movie because it's really, I'm sure this is going to become one of the most talked about films on Netflix. Yeah, so Fair Play is about a couple who work at this cutthroat hedge fund in Manhattan and they're keeping their relationship a secret. And the beginning, it's like this great scene. They get engaged. Everyone is really happy. But then Emily gets promoted over Luke and their relationship just kind of unravels. 
Emily is played by Phoebe Denever from Bridgerton, and Luke is played by Alden Ehrenreich, who I knew best from playing young Han Solo. And their chemistry is insane at the beginning. And then you watch the power dynamic between these two characters really shift in the entire tone of the film changes. Yeah, their early scenes together, it's almost like a rom-com. Like, there's a very sexy scene early on, and you just kind of really root for them. And then this shift happens where, you know, cracks start to form in their relationship, and ambition collides with love and gender politics, and everything kind of explodes. It feels like a throwback to 90s movies in some ways of like, can a woman have it all? Can she have the relationship? And can she have the great job? And it's a throwback in the sense that I think that this is the kind of movie that people really want to see but don't see that much anymore. In that sense, it's so modern in that it touches on these themes that are just of the moment relevant to today. And this kind of post Me Too belief that like everyone has evolved, but like have they really? Oh, yeah. The whole money world, boiler room, or even the gender politics of a movie like nine and a half weeks like minus the food scene yeah I think it's gonna really get people talking and I think it really fills a need that people have for these like movies for adults that deal with themes that are really relevant to today yeah this is not one to watch with your kids this is not family viewing yeah no not safe for work watch it alone on your couch with friends not with children not with parents if you're you know a teen It's interesting that you say it speaks to the moment because it does feel like a throwback to 90s films, but it also feels so unbelievably contemporary. Like this film could only be made post Me Too. The things that you know go on that may not be said in public, you see them all in many ways are said in this film. Yeah, and that's what I love about Alden Ehrenreich's performance is that he thinks he's the good guy and he really tries to be the good guy, at least at first. And you just see this like internal conflict within him where he just like, He just can't. He just can't stomach it. It just like completely throws him off. Tell me about the director, Chloe DeMont. She's, I think a lot of us know her from directing TV episodes. This is her feature directorial debut, and she wrote the script as well. And it's so amazingly and precisely directed. It's so tense. It's so claustrophobic. You want to run out of the room because the way she builds tension in every scene. She directed some of Billions. She directed some of Ballers, even a Suits episode, I believe. But one of my favorite fun facts about this movie is that the walls are literally closing in. Like as soon as the cracks in this relationship start to form, they moved in the walls 10% every time you see them in this tiny New York apartment. So as if New York apartments weren't small enough, just like they move the walls in so that you just get this sense of oppression when you're watching them fight. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. And now I want to go back and watch the film again. Tell me about Chloe DeMont casting Phoebe Denver in particular. I mean, Alden Ehrenreich, as you said, is Luke. He is so good. By the way, he's way better in this than he was as Han Solo. I'm just going to say it. I'm just putting it out there. Phoebe Denver, I really only knew from Bridgerton. And she delivers a performance that is, I mean, instantly, there's so much power and there's so much vulnerability and weakness at times. And what she has to do in this role is incredible. Yeah. And she was so incredible in Bridgerton. But what I find so amazing about this particular performance is how different it is and how it showcases her range. And I think so many people who love her in Bridgerton will be so surprised by what she can do in this movie. And it's like a completely different side of her. Like, do not expect Daphne. It's not that. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. She's in control. Right. Yes. Deaths do not expect Daphne on any level. 
Watching this movie is intense. And I have to say, when I watched it, I you have a lot of feelings, or I had a lot of feelings watching it. There are some scenes that are really, truly difficult to watch. There are some lines of dialogue that are absolutely, I mean, you crawl out of your skin when you hear certain things that are being said, like at this hedge fund office, misogynistic things that are hurled at Phoebe's character. How, I mean, what do you think was behind that? What was Chloe's vision with that? I think... Chloe kind of sees this as like an exorcism. Like she like had to get it out of her. It's a story she had to tell. And I think it's like a story that so many women can relate to. So I'm personally happy that it's available on Netflix because it's like the kind of movie I want to watch alone on my couch because I need to be able to squirm and like close my eyes and scream and all those things. So I think that's going to be a really interesting viewing experience for people. But I think that the message is that, you know, we've not arrived at the end of our struggle there's a lot to do and there's a lot to come to terms with. But what I think what's really interesting about this movie is that it's also just like about male fragility. It, it asks a lot of difficult questions of men. And I hope that the men who watch it kind of like reckon with those things. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think people are going to walk away from this film? <laughs> I think that people are going to have so many feelings at the end of this movie. I think that like there are some scenes at the end that are really difficult to watch. And I think it's important that people know that going in. But I think it's really satisfying at the end. It leaves you with a lot of strong feelings. I think people are going to want to talk about it. I think people are going to be thinking about it. I've certainly been thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, I, it was one of those things when I finished watching the movie. I just wanted to sit alone and really think about what I had just witnessed. You're watching something on screen and then you're seeing the parallels in real life and you're seeing it's a metaphor for this bigger thing going on in culture. And it's a lot to process. And I do think it's going to be this film that people really need to to kind of dissect and process and talk about a lot. Yeah, it's like you want to sit with it, but then like I need to text all my friends. Like the group chat will explode. Yeah. Fair Play is out tomorrow. And thank you so much for talking to me about this movie. I've been craving talking to someone about it. Thanks for having me. Fair Play is out tomorrow, and there's a couple of other titles that you don't want to miss. Beckham, the new series about David Beckham, is out now, as is Lupin season three, or depending how you did in eighth grade French, Lupin saison trois. Next week, we're going to get you ready for the spooky season. We're going to talk about some Halloween movies, some Halloween series. So get your candy corn, and I'll see you here next week.